been a good time to celebrate Christmas. But you know, at the same time, we recognize we are worshiping the coming of Christ during a time when the world seems to be experiencing anything other than peace on earth. If any of you took time this morning and watched a little news while you were getting ready, you recognize that peace on earth seems to be about the last thing on the world's mind these days. You can sense uncertainty wherever you turn. Active wars in both Israel and in the Ukraine. Conflicts all over the globe. People who are experiencing so much uncertainty and concern about what the future holds for the economy. Especially every time you go to the grocery store. In America, we're facing moral and social challenges that just a couple of years ago we would never have imagined we would be dealing with today. The world is filled with confusion. If there's ever been a time when we needed Christmas, we need it this year. We need to be reminded that in the midst of it all, God has sent his son, and his son is the savior of the world. One of the things I've noticed this Christmas season is there's been a great desire among people to return to traditional things. This has not been one of those years when everybody wants to do something that's new and something that's radical or something that's different. Instead, people want the old ornaments. They want to listen to the traditional Christmas music, the ones you've been listening to for years. I've noticed around our neighborhood there are more nativity scenes that are showing up in people's yards. People are trying to bring things back to a sense of peace and normal. Because that's true, and during today's worship, I want us to return to the traditional Christmas story. I hope you noticed a while ago when we read the Christmas story, we read it out of the King James Version of the Bible. Well, that's important to me because that's the way I learned it to begin with. I'll bet you're a lot like me. When I memorized the Christmas story as a child, this is what I learned. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields by night, uh, in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? Sounds like the story the way we need to hear it. The King James Version also reveals some special terms in a way that some more modern translations miss. And I want to use those terms as a part of our conversation about the vocabulary of Christmas. So this morning, I want us to focus on Luke 2, 6, where the Bible simply says this, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. The days were accomplished. That's what the Bible says. Accomplished, fulfilled, completed, finished, accomplished. Everything was accomplished in that simple stable in Bethlehem. Why is it so important to know that when the translators of the old version used that term, that's the word they chose. They chose the word accomplished. 
That's not always the way other translations use it. They may say the days were completed, the days were fulfilled, the days were finally finished. But it also says the days were accomplished. Why is that so important for us this morning as we think about the vocabulary of Christmas? Well, one thing is this. It means that the days were accomplished and Mary delivered her firstborn son. The simplest explanation for the term accomplished is that it describes the physical birth of Jesus. It means the time had come. The baby was on the way. He was going to be born. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It's time, Mary cried out, the same way that countless other mothers have cried out when the time of delivery had come. The time was accomplished. The baby was going to be born. It doesn't matter if it was an inconvenient place. It doesn't matter if it was an inconvenient moment. It doesn't matter because the time was accomplished. From the moment the angel had visited Mary in Bethlehem and uh, Nazareth, she knew that uh, it was in her future. Over the months of carrying her child, it grew within her womb as she prepared herself for the birth of her firstborn son. Through a rough journey from Nazareth on the back of a donkey to a stable in an inn in Bethlehem, the time had come for her baby to be born. The days were accomplished, and the Lord of heaven entered the world as a tiny child. Now, why is it so important for us to remember what was accomplished that night because the natural birth of Jesus reminds us that when the son of God came to us he came all the way down to us that was one of the things that people struggled with in the early days of the church was that really Jesus was he really one of us maybe he was God but he looked like one of us but he wasn't completely one of us or maybe he was a man and he told us a lot about God, but he wasn't really God. How can you be both God and man? And yet that's what the Bible says the Lord accomplished in the coming of Jesus. As that God, Jesus Christ, left heaven, set it all aside. Philippians reminds us of that. In order to take on not just the appearance of a man, but to become one of us. God accomplished what only God can accomplish. He became one of us. He was born just like every other child. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And that is literally true. I love the way Reuben Welch describes what was accomplished at Bethlehem. This is what he says. Is it really true that God's eternal life has come into our world at the level where it can be seen and touched and heard and felt and experienced and known? Is that really true? Is it true that the eternal life of God has entered into our human situation fully, totally, utterly? If it is... It's the best word that our earthborn, sin-bound hearts have ever heard. We all know that the world has been touched by evil. But we must also believe that it has been touched by the life of God. I really do believe this. I really do. And so do I. And so do you. What God accomplished in Bethlehem was incredible. He came to be with us. 
came to walk among us, came to experience the same things we experience, to be exposed to the same things we're exposed to because that's where we needed a Savior. And so he came, Emmanuel. But that's not all. Accomplished is also a statement about the promises of God. The coming of Jesus is what everything had always pointed toward. From the moment of creation, God's plan was in motion. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world. Before creation had ever been set into motion, God already knew mankind was going to choose a sinful path. And when we did, we would be lost from him forever unless somebody did something. And so he did. From the foundation of the world, he decided that those who were in Christ would be saved would be transformed, would have eternal life because of what happened in Bethlehem, because the promise was of salvation through Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The baby who was born in Bethlehem came to bring peace, but not only peace between men, peace between God and men. The glory of Christmas is that God's plan for salvation was accomplished through the coming of his son. The promise was given to the whole world. The Bible says, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. What does that tell us? That baby who was born in Bethlehem, he didn't just come to, to fulfill the promise that God made to the Hebrew people. He didn't just come to fulfill God's promise to those who were alive at the time of Christ. He came to bring the world. Those who are far off are now brought near because that was God's plan. You know, every year there's kind of a debate that takes place when people begin to put their nativity scenes out for Christmas. I love nativity scenes. I have to be honest with you. I have them from places we visited and gone. We try to pick things up. So I've got things from around the country. I've got nativities from around the world, like your ornaments that you were just showing, Rich. I've got the nativities that I found in uh, South America, Central America, uh, got some from Europe. I even have a nativity that Judith and I picked up when we toured the Vatican one time. But I have a favorite nativity that I want to tell you about. But it's one of those that some people object to. You see, some people object to the idea that you include the wise men in a nativity scene. And that's because biblically they really were not there. They weren't there because they didn't come until some time later. And so there are those who will say, when you gather around the manger, if you've got Mary and Joseph and Jesus and the shepherds, you've got everybody who was physically present. No need for the wise men. I have to be honest with you. I love the three kings. I've got the three kings and all of my nativities, I guess, or most of them anyway. 
And I love what they symbolize because their symbol is the idea that the invitation to come to Jesus was to the whole world. It was not just to a few people in a little place. A few days ago, I shared my favorite nativity with one of our Sunday school classes. And in fact, I've got it out on the table in the lobby this morning. It is without a doubt my favorite nativity. It was carved by a sculptor. The, the, the original was carved by a sculptor named Tom Clark. Tom Clark taught art and theology at Davidson College. Sounds like something you would like, Christy. Art and theology. And I've got a number of pieces that he did over the years, but the nativity is my very favorite. And if you look out there as you leave today, what you'll discover is he did something very unique with the three kings, something that's important for us to know. You see, the three kings that he has included in his nativity are three men from three different places. One of the kings is Asian. One of the kings is African. And one of the kings is Eastern European. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to make the point that the whole world is invited to the manger. That everybody is a part of what God has done. The presence of the Magi in the Christmas story reminds us that Jesus was born for all. It's no accident that we take up our Lottie Moon offering at Christmas time because that is our time when we remember Jesus came. Jesus came for the world. He accomplished what had to be done. He invited us all to know the Savior. There's one other reason that accomplished is such a powerful word in the vocabulary of Christmas. It is a reminder of the means by which Jesus would save us. If the Bible says the time was accomplished when she should be delivered, when Jesus was born, there's another moment equally critical in the plans of God. And you cannot hear the term accomplished without remembering the figure on the cross who would declare, it is finished. The plan was accomplished at the manger, but it was finished at the cross, at the end of that earthly life of Jesus. The fulfillment of God's promise is not found in the manger, but at the cross. Jesus of Nazareth really was born to die. He came to bring salvation to all who would believe. And that's why we celebrate communion as a part of our Christmas Eve service. It reminds us that the story doesn't end with the baby. That December 25th doesn't come and go and we wrap up all of those nativities and we put them away for another year and we don't have to think about it. It's a reminder that this is the beginning. The completion is at the cross. Accomplished declares the truth that Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the grave, Jesus ascended to the Father, and Jesus will come again for his own. And that's what we celebrate. Everything will truly be accomplished when the Lord brings his own home to him.
And so we are grateful today. We're grateful that we celebrate his coming and his living and his dying and his ascension and his coming again. And that's God's promise to you. Amen and amen. This morning you may be here and you know all the historical story about the coming of Jesus but the truth is it's never become personal for you you've never trusted him as your savior and today's the day when you need to do that if you don't know Christ I can't think of anything that should hold you back from making sure you know him before you leave this place today in a moment we're going to stand we're going to sing an invitation hymn if you need to know Christ you come I'll be glad to meet you and introduce you to the Savior. Do you need to come? Is there a decision God wants you to make? Let's stand. Let's sing. been such a good day in God's house I'm glad we got to share this morning but I am looking forward to tonight I hope that you're here bring family bring friends let's join together in celebrating what God has done through the Lord's Supper let's bow together now for one last prayer and then our, our, our final song as we dismiss this morning father we do thank you that everything has been accomplished there's nothing left father all we have to do is receive what you did for us beginning at Bethlehem and ending in the cross with a promise of all that is yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I am so glad to see you this morning. I am so glad to be with you too. Oh, this is great. Makes my Christmas.